tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and this is the Sober Powered Podcast. I'll tell you how I finally stopped chasing the buzz and what I've learned along the way. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and if you're new here, I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. If that sounds interesting, please subscribe. Today, I'm going to talk about why some of us just can't moderate. During my drinking, I was always plagued by the question of why can't I just be normal? 
I'll explain the answer to this question in this episode. I will explain why some of us just don't have that voice in our heads that tells us to stop drinking, and you'll learn what parts of the brain are actually responsible for this voice. So let's dig in. Some of us are able to moderate for years before our drinking escalates into a problem. For me, I started out having a problem with the ability to moderate some of the time. When I did moderate, though, it always felt like a waste of my time. I have very strong opinions about moderation, so please remember that when I give my opinion, it's just that, my opinion. I believe that true moderation is when someone naturally regulates their drinking in accordance with the guidelines without thinking about their drinking. A person who can actually moderate doesn't have drinking rules or designated skip days. When they get drunk, it's entirely their choice to do that. They never have to think about their drinking at all. A simpler definition would be, a person who can truly moderate is someone who never thinks about moderation. Out of the people I know in real life, there are some problem drinkers, but also some moderate drinkers like my brother and my husband. They can both go out and have one drink, which they might not even finish, and continue on with dinner without ordering another drink. It doesn't stress them out, and it's not something they have to focus on. They just do it. Sometimes someone will think they figured out moderation, but it requires a lot of focus and drinking rules. That's not really moderation, though. It's controlled alcohol obsession. You don't want to actually drink that way, but you're able to make yourself. There's a belief some people in the sober community have that anyone can develop a problem with alcohol, that we are all on the slow descent towards problem drinking. I completely disagree with this. I don't think everyone will develop a problem with drinking eventually. I don't think everyone drinks more than they used to. I think I developed a problem because so many things aligned in my life. My childhood, my genetics, my life experiences, trauma, who I spent my time with. My husband and brother both drink less than they used to. I have a friend who has even switched over to non-alcoholic beers most of the time. He just doesn't want alcohol all the time. He wants the beer without the headache. He's not on the slow descent towards problem drinking. I don't believe this is something that can happen to anyone. According to the 2019 National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 14.1 million Americans over the age of 18 have alcohol use disorder. That's only 5.6% of the U.S. It's not easy to have a drinking problem either. It takes a lot of commitment. You have to give up all your time, hate your life, and constantly feel like crap. Most people aren't obsessed with alcohol like I was. They like it and feel pressure to drink while being social, but they don't constantly think about drinking. There are also some people who just don't like alcohol. It's weird, but it's true. They hate the way it tastes and feels. They are definitely not on the slow descent towards problem drinking. When I quit drinking, I wanted to understand why I'm this way. That's why I created this podcast, because I had learned so much about alcohol that I wanted to share it with you. I have some interesting studies to tell you about. I hope this provides some insight on why some of us just can't moderate. If you're still hanging on to the hope that you'll be able to moderate someday, you won't. For me, I'm completely missing that voice in my head that says you've had enough. 
It doesn't matter if I have to drive, wake up early for work, or am around people I'm trying to impress. My mind is incapable of regulating my drinking. If you're lacking this inner voice, it's impossible to get it. I've been learning about what that voice actually is, and it's all about pathways that exist in our brain. It's important to note, some people do actually have that voice, but choose to ignore it and drink way too much for other reasons. This episode is mostly about compulsive drinking despite being aware of negative consequences. So the main study that I want to talk about is something I read very recently. It's definitely my favorite moderation study so far. The purpose of this study was to further understand the brain mechanisms underlying compulsive drinking. This is based on part of the definition of alcohol use disorder, where the person has difficulty saying no to alcohol, even when it could clearly lead to harm. Previous studies from 2010 and 2012 found that the ability to choose not to drink is associated with plasticity of neural projections from the medial prefrontal cortex to the nucleus accumbens. So that was a lot. Let me explain what that sentence means. Plasticity is the ability of the nervous system to change its activity in response to internal and external stimuli by reorganizing its structure, function, or connection. In other words, it's the brain's ability to adapt in response to what's going on with the body. Remember, neurons are brain cells and they're long and skinny. If you need a reminder on them, go listen to episode one or look back towards the beginning of my Instagram account. I have a whole picture and explanation on neurons. The end of a neuron is called the axon, and that's where neurotransmitters are released to communicate with other neurons. Projection neurons, also called pyramidal neurons, are neurons whose axon extends into a different part of the brain, so this allows two areas of the brain to talk to each other. Pyramidal neurons from the medial prefrontal cortex are able to signal the nucleus accumbens. When these neurons have plasticity or the ability to adapt, they can mediate our ability to choose not to drink. Clearly, my pyramidal neurons have no plasticity. The medial prefrontal cortex governs our working memory, which is what we use to guide our decision-making and action selection. The nucleus accumbens is a main part of our reward circuit. Dopamine is released in this area to reinforce our behaviors. This was initially for things that promoted our survival, like eating, drinking water, or having sex, but drugs and alcohol stimulate a large dopamine release in the nucleus accumbens too. Dopamine release leads to us forming memories and beliefs of how alcohol makes us feel happy, helps us have fun, or relieve stress. When we try to quit, these memories promote drug-seeking and craving. We all have pyramidal neurons that connect our medial prefrontal cortex with our nucleus accumbens. But I think the difference is in the plasticity of these neurons. So for the ability of them to adapt to your current situation. If you are someone who can naturally moderate, then these neurons probably have a lot of plasticity. They can respond to internal and external stimuli, like how drunk you are, if you have to get up early, 
if your boss is there, if you have to drive, all sorts of things, and make adjustments based on that information. These adjustments are what becomes the voice in your head saying you've had enough to drink. What this 2019 study found is that having a dysfunction in the pathway between these two parts of the brain leads to an inability to say no to alcohol despite being aware of the negative consequences. This study was done at Santa Clara University in California. Scientists trained mice to press a lever to receive an alcohol reward. After the mice were trained, their situation changed. Now, pressing the same lever resulted in a light electric shock to their feet. They had a choice. Get the alcohol and receive a shock, or don't press the lever and avoid the risk. After a short session, most of the mice quickly learned to avoid the shock and gave up the alcohol reward. The mice had surgically implanted electrodes in their brains to measure activity in regions of the cortex when presented with this decision. The researchers found that there was a group of neurons in the medial prefrontal cortex that became active when the mice approached the lever but decided the alcohol wasn't worth the risk. When the mice chose the alcohol despite the risk, these neurons weren't active. What they concluded is this group of neurons could be responsible for deciding not to drink when there are potential negative consequences. Next, the researchers used optogenetics, which is a technique where an extra gene is added to the genetic code of the specific neurons that are being studied. This extra gene encodes for a protein that responds to a certain color of light. Some proteins will turn on the neuron and some will turn it off. These researchers use optogenetics to shut down the neurons that were activated when the mice chose not to get the alcohol. They placed a light by the alcohol lever, so when the mice approached it, the neurons were shut down. When the mice walked away from the lever, the neurons were able to turn back on, so it wasn't a permanent thing. The result was that the mice pressed the lever more often despite knowing they would get shocked. They concluded that a dysfunction in the pathway that connects the medial prefrontal cortex with the nucleus accumbens could be one way people develop alcohol use disorder. And this could be a potential target for treatment in the future. There are many other reasons that moderation can be impossible for some of us. Life experience and trauma also play an important role in how our genes are regulated. If you remember back in episode 14, we talked about nature versus nurture and how our life experiences influence our genetics, which is called epigenetics. Overall, we all will carry different variants of genes, which can be turned on or off depending on our environment and what we have experienced in life. I think the easiest example to understand from that episode is this study I explained about the MAO gene. Monoamine oxidase, or MAO, helps regulate the levels of dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine in the brain by degrading them. A 2008 study found that having the low-activity variant was associated with alcoholism, specifically antisocial alcoholism, but only for women who experienced childhood sexual abuse. 
Maybe you have the low activity variant, but because you didn't experience childhood sexual abuse, this gene is never triggered. Similarly, maybe you did experience childhood sexual abuse, but because you don't carry the gene for the low activity variant, you do not develop antisocial alcoholism. Just because we have certain genetics doesn't make us doomed to have a terrible life. It just increases the risk for certain things. On the environmental side, maybe you're someone who started drinking young, like between 12 and 15 years old. Research shows that people who start drinking before 15 are four times more likely to develop a problem with alcohol. Our brains continue to develop until we are about 25 years old. Exposure to alcohol can affect brain development, especially if you start drinking regularly young or you binge drink young. Alcohol can affect the structure of the brain and its function, causing cognitive or learning problems, but also potentially making the brain more prone to alcohol dependence. So you could have perfectly fine genetics, but because you started binge drinking at the end of middle school, your brain changed in a way to make you much more susceptible to alcohol dependence. Just to add, if you are someone who started drinking young, you are not doomed to a life of alcohol abuse. I know someone who did start very young and is a perfectly normal drinker. Again, it just increases the risk. There are so many things that align in someone's life to result in a drinking problem. All of these factors make it impossible for someone to moderate their drinking. If you were born with a dysfunction in how the medial prefrontal cortex communicates with the nucleus accumbens, then your brain isn't able to make adjustments and tell you to stop drinking based on your current situation. If your brain can't pass on the message to stop drinking, then your reward center, which is lit up with dopamine, is just going to continue to say, just one more drink. There is no moderation strategy that could make our medial prefrontal cortex communicate better with our nucleus accumbens. Because of all this information, I believe you can either moderate or you can't. If you're able to drink less because of intense focus and drinking rules, then that's not what I would consider moderation. I would consider this person someone who cannot moderate because they are still being controlled by alcohol obsession. I tried to moderate for five years. I tried every strategy I could think of. I spent so many hours on Google trying to find the secret. I challenged myself to 90 days sober to try to reset my drinking. The problem was I am incapable of moderating. I'm missing everything in my brain that would allow me to assess the risks and make a decision. Once I have one drink, my reward center takes over and bullies the rest of my brain into submission and silence. If you're like me, and no matter what you try, you can't seem to moderate, then I hope this episode has shown you that there will never be a strategy that can change the way our brains are wired. If you were obsessed with moderation and now you're sober, then I hope this episode helps to validate why moderation was so impossible for you and to dissuade you from trying to give it another shot. I think a lot of us feel shame 
and look at it like it's a moral thing, like we are bad or we're failures because we can't drink like everyone else, because we can't moderate. But for some people, it's just impossible. It's just the way that your brain is designed. Once you drink, you can't make an informed decision. You just want to keep drinking. All you're thinking about is the reward and the pleasure. So it's really, it's not our fault. We can either moderate or we can't. And I definitely can't. And no matter how long I stay sober, how many strategies I try, that will never change. Monday is my one year soberversary. So next week's episode will be all about the past year. If there's anything specific that you would like to know about, please feel free to reach out and I'll try to include it in the episode. And with that, I will talk to you guys next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.